Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Dr. Rishi Desai. Today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Anushka Gaglani and Dr. Abhishek Nagaraj. Anushka and Abhishek started True Blue Dentistry with multiple locations now in Illinois. They strive to create a patient-centric experience with an emphasis on comfort to give their patients the confidence they desire in their smile. I've gotten the opportunity to get to know them over the past few years, and we're excited to be working together to create educational material for dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and assistants. So just want to start by thanking you both for joining me today. Thank you, Rishi. Thank you for having us, Rishi. You know, just to get started, I'd be so curious to know what kind of got you started in dentistry and eventually what got you down to True Blue? Sure. So um, I'll go ahead and start. I wanted to be a dentist since I was 15. I read a Reader's Digest article and that was it. I was going to be a dentist. So here I am. Um, I graduated in 2011. Abhishek actually ended up going to school in New York, NYU. I went to school here in Chicago and he moved down here when he graduated. I'd been associating at that point for a few years, and I was like, it's time to open our own practice. I think just being able to control the quality of care is something that can really be done more efficiently when you have your own practice. And Abhishek, do you mind just jumping in with your story as well? Absolutely. Um, I actually wanted to become a neurosurgeon when I was 15. I, I didn't actually set out to become a dentist, but circumstances drove me to become dentist. I had a dentist in the, in the family. Uh, it's looking back at it, it's probably the best thing I ever did. It gives us a chance to really change smiles and instant gratification is a big thing for us. And as Anushka said, we went out, we worked with other dentists, but creating our own vision, setting our own 10-year target and coming up with five-year plans is something that we could do on our own. And uh, we've been able to do that. And we can hope to continue to be able to do that moving forward. So there's an alternate reality where Abhishek, you're a neurosurgeon and Anushka never read Reader's Digest. <laughs> so maybe Anushka, you're, you're obviously tied to Shiv. You're his older sister. I'm curious, yeah. when did you first realize that you were the smarter sibling? You know, um, I don't think I ever doubt it. No, I'm kidding. Shiv, yeah. is, Shiv is very, very intelligent. I, I feel blessed to call him my brother. That's awesome. And mine too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's a very, very kind answer. And I know you guys have a wonderful relationship. So going back to your own story, though, can you talk a little bit about, and this is for the general audience, like just what is general dentistry versus cosmetic dentistry? I, I think those terms I'd love to clearly define from your perspective. Sure. So general dentistry, it refers to what usually happens when you go to the dentist, what people are familiar with, right? The dentist comes in, they'll do fillings, extractions, you know, simple extractions, just kind of your, your bread and butter dentistry. Um, cosmetic dentistry would be more cosmetic, things like veneers, et cetera, but it also can improve function. Absolutely. Just to add to that, cosmetic dentistry is not a huge part of dentistry, right? If you, if you look at the statistics, it's only like what, maybe two to three percent. 97% is general dentistry, which means taking care of people's pains, root canals, extractions, and crowns and bridges and whatnot. That comprises a big part of dentistry. And that's a really interesting breakdown because I think in terms of advertising dollars, a lot of what you see as a member of the general public is the cosmetic side, but it's helpful to remember mm -hmm. that that sounds like a very small fraction of it. Correct. It really is. So with COVID-19, obviously one of the big things that's happened is people have been thinking about, you know, 
do they feel safe going to the dentist? Is that something that they need to put off or can put off? And, and I'm just curious, like what sort of things have you noticed with your own business with COVID-19? Like how are people thinking about that? Um, you know, there's actually been a huge amount of pent-up demand. Um, we were closed for a couple of months in the height of the whole COVID crisis in March and April 2020. And we were only open to emergencies, but there's been a lot of demand. Our offices are virtually full. And it, it's been great that people are actually wanting to come in and get their teeth clean because I think people are starting to understand that having a clean mouth really equates to the whole mouth body window. So it, it's been great in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, during COVID, we saw a lot of people come in with cracked teeth. I think people have been so stressed out. There was a lot that we were taking care of. Just kind of as an aside, you know, I, I read recently there was an office, not our office, but a patient had his last checkup back in October of last year. He missed his recall appointment because his spell in between that time went up to four shut down. And the next time he came in for an appointment, he had stage four oral cancer. It happened that quickly. So, you know, if they had not been shut down, I feel like he could have come in. It was famous cell carcinoma and you know, he wouldn't be in this position. Yeah, just to really quickly add to that, people have been so grateful for us being open and um, the amount of gratitude we've gotten from our patients has been a lot more than in the past. So as you're telling that story, Anushka, I'm getting chills because that's the sort of thing that's not intuitive, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people don't think of the Correct. dentist as being a place where you get cancer screening. And so Absolutely. a lot of that preventative care, I imagine, gets missed. Do you mind sharing any insights you have around like specific populations, like vulnerable groups like kids or folks that may not have a lot of economic means, you know, maybe the dentist is the only person that ever may be seeing them. And if they're missing that, then they're missing an important part of their healthcare, right? Absolutely. I mean, I don't currently have specific statistics on that, but, um, you know, a hundred percent, I think we're becoming more and more aware that, you know, this isn't a mouth. It's not taking it out and leaving it with a technician to kind of take care of it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you as well know, you know, anything really there are associations with heart disease, skin disease, liver disease, cancers, and now there's been COVID. So I think it's very, very important that people keep that in mind. What are some things that you guys are doing in the clinic to make people feel safe to come in with COVID-19 precautions in mind? I'm just curious how you've set up your office. You know, I think that as dentists, just like in medicine, um, we have always followed universal precautions. It's nothing new to us. So couple of changes that we've made are now, you know, taking temperature, temperatures, you know, we take them at the door before the patient enters. A lot of our patients are kind of staying in the car until we let them know there's nobody in the, in the reception area and we take them straight back to their operatory. Um, we also have HEPA filters running. Those are some of the changes we've made that I think are here to stay. But in general, we're kind of just following the same universal precautions we always have. Right. And more broadly now with, you know, even the name of this podcast, Raise the Line, it's about raising healthcare capacity. Can you speak to issues that you have seen either in your own practice or other practices around staffing and employer education and training, things like that? Sure. That's a great question, Rishi. I think the paranoia and fear is real right now. It's, it's never been more, especially COVID not been around. And I think it's a real thing, especially when it hits close to home, when our staff members and their family members end up getting it. There's a certain element of paranoia, which they then bring to the practice, but our staff members have been really, really supportive of us. Sometimes there is that fear and we have to talk them through it and guide them to take their tests and quarantine if need be. But our team members have been wonderful in that sense. They understand the importance of 
what we do as a team. And as being frontline. Yeah, exactly. And on that point, I haven't actually formally thanked either of you for doing that. So thank you for being on the front line because it's nice to hear from your own mouth what you're seeing when a lot of us, myself included, are, are not on the front line at the moment. So thank you. It's thank what you. we signed up for. Thanks. <laughs> so one of the things that I always love to do is try to fill in knowledge gaps for myself. There are things that I don't understand or I misunderstand. As frontline workers, you're probably explaining things I would imagine daily to people that maybe they have misunderstandings about. Is there anything that you can share with our listeners that you think would be a good knowledge gap to fill in? It can be on any topic. So on my end, um, not necessarily related to COVID, but I think for me, what I've realized the most important thing is the importance of continuous education. You know, this is all new to us and people kind of look to us as being an offshoot of medicine to have answers for them. So it's just continuously making sure you stay up to date, reading studies, and communicating that to our team members, right? Reading studies, that's something that we're constantly trying to do, but actually going out and communicating as dentists or business owners to our staff and telling them, explaining them, reasoning with them, I think that's the huge part and that plays a really vital role. You know what's funny about that? I interact with a lot of doctors because that's what I was trained up in. And I've started interacting with more and more dentists. And I can't even tell you how stark the difference is. I think that dentists are so much more adherent to current guidelines and are just so much quicker to go to the literature, in my opinion, than doctors are. And I found that very interesting, like that cultural difference, maybe. Do you have any thoughts on why that is? Is it because the training is just different or maybe all your peers are doing it so you feel compelled to do it or any, any thoughts on that? It's interesting you said that because we as dentists always think that our medical peers are, are adhering to these guidelines way better than us. So it's actually refreshing that you said that. One of the reasons could be dental CEs have come around in a big way. There's some big companies out there who, who are really pushing dental education outside of the nor normal school curriculum. And I think that's a big reason. And dentistry is ever-changing. Evidence-based practice, EBP as we call it, is huge now. If you're not doing that, you're getting left behind. So I think that could be a reason that uh, a lot of dentists are getting on that bandwagon. Yeah, I'd be curious to know if there's any sort of way to benchmark when something becomes well-known as best practice on paper versus when is the average dentist in the community doing that thing, like how many years that takes. And for medicine, I, I think it's on the order of many years. And so I'd be curious to know what that is for dentists and if it's shorter, as I hypothesize, or maybe I'm wrong, and it's just me. Maybe I'm just a little slow. I'm not sure. But I, I do notice that. And so I'd be curious to know that. I guess another thing is any insights into your own careers, like what got you from point A to point B? And like, what's been the thing that's helped you along? Because I would presume, and maybe you can correct me here, that when you were training to be a dentist, you didn't necessarily envision True Blue. And so how did you get from A to B? And, and how did that path get navigated for you? Lots and lots and lots of learning just <laughs> a lot of just taking courses and you know whether it's business or or dental related just a lot of learning and putting people first right um we we signed up we took the hippocratic oath to do no harm if you can't do any good at least don't do any harm and i think just putting really our patients first and having a patient first philosophy has been absolutely the game changer um because when you put people first your team members can see that and then they feel like we're putting team members first. So there's a good amount of buy-in from the teams. And that's what's probably gotten us a lot quicker from point A to point B, from one practice to five. 
On that point, one of the things that has always struck me about the two of you is you trained as clinicians and now you're being asked to be managers, entrepreneurs, you know, all this kind of kind of stuff that you weren't formally trained in. Has that been a hard thing to transition into? You know, there are challenging days <laughs> because at the end of the day, I think when I talk to other business owners, not that they don't have empathy, but I think being in medicine, our empathetic nature kind of comes out a little bit more than maybe some other businesses. So I think that's something that kind of becomes a challenge because you're trying to run a business, but you're also, you know, but I have the side to me that, you know, people come first. So thinking with our heart is, is a huge thing for us. That's what we went to school for. And um, sometimes we all know that in business, thinking with your heart doesn't necessarily get you what you want. But I still think that thinking with our heart and having a nice combination of thinking with our heart and brain is really, maybe we won't grow as fast as some of the other companies will because they're maybe thinking purely with their brains and not with their hearts, but this is exactly what we signed up for and we can't ever forget that. It's a very interesting phrase you chose because obviously Anushka, your brother started a company, Osmosis, and one of our core values is start with the heart. And so it's very interesting to hear you kind of come to the same sort of conclusion very independently uh, and in a very yeah. different way, which, right. is, which is beautiful. What can I say? He likes to copy me. <laughs> very good. <laughs> well, I, I know a lot of folks in our audience are also just starting their careers. Maybe they're dental hygienists or assistants or maybe they're dentists uh, as well. Any advice you can offer them as they're starting to go through their own career journey? I know I've kind of hopped on this a few times, but... My advice would be when you graduate, that's just the beginning. You have to keep learning. You have to keep getting better. It doesn't just stop. You know, the background science may be the same, but um, there are ways to do better and continue to be able to offer your patients more than just the bare minimum. My advice to a lot of the young, uh, young folks who are going into medical school is, I mean, I think we have to choose to be a doctor or choose to be a dentist. This is not something you just get into. You have to choose to be that certain type of person. Uh, who's willing to put their life on the front. And only if you're willing to do that should we choose to be in the profession. And that would be my ad advice is jump in with your heart and do it for the right reason. The rewards are infinite. Yeah, a lot of that I think has become more true than ever with COVID-19. It's become very clear that that's the case. Mm -hmm. that our healthcare workers like mm -hmm. the two of you are in it for all the right reasons because your heart is in it. So that might be a great place to end. I, I really appreciate both of you joining in and being on the podcast with me today. Thank you, Rishi. We appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Rishi. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, I'm Dr. Rishi Desai. Thank you for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs> <laughs>